They say small business is the backbone of America. So what's the best way to support a small business? It is to learn more about them and share with your family and friends. We interview founders from across the world who have started and scaled their business through the ups and downs, long hours, and the rewards that come from sacrificing their time to build their business. Welcome to First to Arrive, Last to Leave, The Journey of an Entrepreneur. All right, welcome to another episode of First to Arrive, Last to Leave. Welcome, Jolene Rich of Rich Results. Uh, welcome, Jolene. Thank you. I keep wanting to say rich, but I got to go rich. Yeah. Okay, like fish. I'm yeah. going to remember that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Jolene, you are like infamous in the 10K SB community it's in a very good way. Everybody talks about you just from a success a, a successful business adventure. I know there's a lot of respect for you. I know you actually took one of the staff too. That's another way I heard about you originally. So can you first tell us a little bit about um, Rich Results and how it began? Yeah, so Rich Results, we're a recruiting company. We primarily do direct hire recruiting. So we work on the company side. So company calls us or organization calls us and says, we're looking for this type of person and we find that type of person. We also do contract fractional recruiting, which means one of our recruiters is essentially a part of a client's team oh. to augment their team when they have a lot of recruiting going on over an extended period of time. Okay. So um, how did it all start? Well, um, so I think uh, I was thinking about this question and I think where it how it started is really just my interest in the way people work effectively together in groups. So I'm a people watcher. It's always fun to sit on a bench and just watch people go by, watch, you know, groups of people go by. When I was in high school, um, you know, it's funny. I was watching this um, Instagram video and this kid, or you seem like a kid, a young guy, was asking all these college students, what was your common app essay on? Just one after another. And my third, my youngest son, I have three boys, my youngest son just went through it. Um, so it's always interesting to hear what people wrote their essay on. Well, I started thinking about my essay. Well, my essay was on a book called The Drifters by James A. Michener. I Not like great literature yeah. but it was a really fun book but what i wrote about was how this group of of probably kids in their 20s were traveling around the world and how they got along how they formed mini groups within them what worked well for them what didn't work well for them the people that were more of the leaders the people were who were you know kind of mm -hmm. troublemakers and that's what I wrote my college essay on. So then I guess fast forward a little bit. I majored in sociology. Um, I actually taught for a year. And then I went into the Peace Corps. And while I was in the Peace Corps, I realized that I didn't want to do education, although I have incredible respect for teachers. Mm -hmm. But I really wanted to focus on this group process stuff. And um, I picked up this book. And it was all about industrial psychology and organizational behavior. And I was like, whoa, that's it. 
went to graduate school in uh, organizational psychology. And after that, I worked at EY Consulting for about six or so years. And I worked in their people group. Mm -hmm. So it was essentially people in performance. And I loved it. It was great. It was a great experience. Um, and really, I think the best thing about EY was the opportunity to continue to learn. Because that's another thing I think that is just a theme in my life, just looking for ways to continue to learn and grow. Mm -hmm. um, I took a leave of absence when my middle son, who's now 21, was two or three, and then decided not to go back. And I started talking to business owners about what kind of people needs they had. Um, I thought I would go into consulting, but what it came down to was help me hire the right person. And when I officially started the recruiting thing, I didn't really have experience in recruiting. I'd done lots of interviewing. Yeah. And I understood people, but not recruiting. And it was really a matter of where do you find the people? Well, right when I launched my business, it was 2006, 2007, okay. going through a recession, and companies had lots of people applying to jobs. The question was, how do you find the right person? Right. And that's kind of how we set ourselves apart. Not just here are lots of resumes, but how do you really find the right person for each company? So I, I think it's so important, especially, I guess this may be timely. I'm saying this now because obviously we're going from a, I can't get people to stay. I can't find the right people to there's a lot of layoffs happening, so the talent pool will fill up here a little bit, I guess. I don't know uh, what's going to happen. But anyway, what is that? And I, I don't want you to give away your secret sauce, but where the difference between here's a job rack, here's you know a list of duties I need fulfilled, here's what you're going to do, versus, all right, maybe they can do some of this. Maybe they can't, but they're still the perfect fit because of this person. Is it just understanding culture and then asking candidates the right question? Like, what are the things that you can look for outside of just, you have this, but, you know, you have these certain skill sets, but I know this is going to be a great fit for this company. Does that question make sense? Yeah, it totally makes sense yeah. because typically that's the question I'm asked. Yeah. Um, how do we really find the right person? Sometimes it's because the actual position mm -hmm. is kind of complicated and not straightforward. Like, I need a controller. I mean, we love straightforward positions yeah. like that. But it may also be, you know, I need this kind of accountant that has specific experience in X and Y. So you want to know, you want to definitely be aware of their skills mm -hmm. and experience, but you don't want to get so hung up on that, that you're not paying attention to who the person is. I think it's what you said. I think it's a mixture of culture and values. Okay. So I, I used to use the term um, helping companies find great talent that fits. And I realized that somebody who fits isn't necessarily the right person for the job either or the right person for the company yeah. because what i see often is the right person is going to be like us mm -hmm. it's the kind of person that you want to go out and have a beer with after work and this and that but that doesn't always help a company grow and so now we're hearing a lot about well how does diversity play a part in forming great teams well even though someone may come from a different background, have um, different experiences, you still want someone to understand and share the values of the company. So we try to focus as much on the values, which really are, I mean, people who are, you know, acting in a way mm -hmm. that 
you know, is in line with the values, that forms the culture. Those yeah. behaviors form the culture, right? And so it's really about interviewing for values, being open-minded also, casting a wider net, not just looking at, okay, who do I know? Who went to my university? So we've always used a research-based process for finding talent. And it's kind of interesting because in the beginning, everyone would say to me, well, if you're going to start a recruiting company, you have to pick one industry or you have to pick you know, one type of job. Are you accounting? Are you <laughs> construction? Yeah. And I was like, yes, yes. I'm not going to turn down anything. <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah. starting a business, I'm going to be open to it all. And I think forcing us to find people that weren't just nicely in our database yeah. um, really helped us hone in on how do you research and find people where they are and in doing so, cast a wide net. I think the secret sauce for finding great talent is being open-minded, being aware of your unconscious biases, doing it, not necessarily relying on the same way you've always done it. Yeah. Um, I think that's really what it's about. It's so interesting. I think it's just obviously more and more important now, more than ever, as people are, you know, they're A, they have more options, they're pickier, but also people, I, it's so funny. I I came from the corporate world, and I'm I'm a farm girl, so I'm, and I'm a Midwestern girl, so I'm very rule follower. Like that's how, and I can't imagine like starting a job and then being like, this isn't a fit. I'm leaving. Like I started a job and I stuck with it. Like that's I got like I I was hired there. I stuck with it. And the, I don't want to say kids nowadays, but I'm getting at that age that I can. But it's like it's they'll leave. Like if yeah. they get there and they're like, yeah, I'm not right. I'm gone. Like and they have. Not that I'm saying I'm right and they're wrong. It's just the way it is now, right? Like, it's just crazy yeah. to me that you could have this, all right, I think this person's a fit, and now they just, they were here for a week, and now they're not here anymore, and now I'm back to square one. I mean, I think that goes, plays into the recruiting process mm -hmm. and also the onboarding process. So although we primarily do recruiting, I think that this year one of the things we're going to be talking about and trying to do more of is helping clients also with the onboarding process and maybe even some performance management, which is actually what I did at EY. The reason is, is because I think that makes a huge difference when someone at, you know, 30 days and 60 days and 90 days, you continue to have those discussions on how things are going and what do you like and what do you don't like, just really transparent communication with people who work for you. I think that can really help. But it's true. Like you sometimes wonder, you know, are our kids as patient as yeah. as they could be? Look, I have a twenty four year old <laughs> who's working. I have a twenty one year old, um, and they're super, super hard workers and then my eighteen year old. But you I sometimes find myself saying, you know, keep getting to know people and learn more about the organization and take advantage of all of what they have to offer. You know, yeah, yeah. Stick with it. Maybe a little Stick bit longer. It. Stick yeah. with itness. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. So going back to your business, I don't want to go over this part because I know personally it intrigues me. So your middle child is two, three. You take a break, and then you decide to start a company. So you're building a company with a like two young kids with I know another one later. I don't know when when he came. I guess a couple years into your business. How is that? Like, how is it building this business, being a mom, trying to, to juggle it all? Like, did you go 
all in at first? Were you doing some part-time at first? Like, how was that journey at the beginning? It was hard to do anything but part-time because it takes a lot to get your name out and get business and have people trust you. This is a relationship business. And when you're finding people for companies, they need to trust you. They need to know that you understand them. Um, So, I mean, it was part-time, but not because I wanted it to be (laughs) part-time. There was sort of a a um, bef- so I was divorced in 2013 or 2014. So my business was one thing before the divorce mm. and another thing after the divorce. And part of that is because I needed to, you know, really hone in on what was going to work and what was going to grow. Um, before the divorce, um, our model was a little bit different. I actually was a contract recruiter for um, an organization for probably at least a couple years, which means I wasn't doing enough business development. I would be working with that client, but then not have enough time to really find other clients. And so that was really hard. So when the divorce happened, I mean, I kind of had to start over anyhow. That's just how business works, you know, in marriage. And, And what I decided coming back to it was, you know, we were thinking about next step was number one, I wanted the clients to have skin in the game. I wanted them to be a part of the process. And in recruiting, the best way to do that is doing retained search. The The problem is that people are, retained search means the company is, is going to be um, paying a little bit up front and the rest after the person's hired, right? And so number one, trust is even more important. Yeah. But number two, they have to understand also what their role in this is. And when we're service providers, sometimes people don't necessarily think of it as they have a role too. But I realized, especially when our fill rate went from like 50% up to 100% wow. or pretty close to, oh yeah, when a company is invested you know, they're communicating with us what they like and what they don't like about the candidates we're sending. They're giving us an opportunity to, you know, scrub our search and get it right. They're willing to get on the phone with us and give us really good, useful feedback. Um, And that's, that made a huge difference because we went from not sure if we were going to fill a role because we didn't know if the company was using three or four other recruiters Mm -hmm. or if they would just stop a search midway to we're filling this no matter what this will get done unless there's you know unless COVID happens which it did and that you know was a bit of a challenge you know we're filling this position no matter what yeah and then um when when did you do the 10k SB program so I did it in 2018. Okay. Um, about halfway through 2018. It's interesting. Um, my uh, senior director of recruiting, Nicole Stasek, she's been with us for, I think, almost nine years. Wow. Yeah, like pretty much, I mean, she's been with us, um, yeah, through everything. And I remember the other day she said that the things that we've done that have really made a impact in our business and like just propelled us forward mm-hmm. we're number one 10 ksb and i'll tell you more about that in a minute um number two eos we do the entrepreneurial operating yeah, system good things yeah. uh-huh and number three working with a coach 
those three things she said she can see direct correlation with just a lot of growth once we've started those or once we finish them in the case of 10k sb yeah coach being like a business coach or do you like is it okay we need a specific coach around this at this time and then maybe a different coach type of coach like yeah i mean i've worked with different kinds of coaches mm -hmm. um because i am of the firm belief i cannot do this alone um right after 10 ksb i started thinking i i need some i need some more heads around this business and part of that was because in 10 ksb there's so many you realize there's so many different ways to look at growth, right? Mm -hmm. um, first of all, the people who are facilitating the program are constantly pushing you and asking you questions and, and making you really think about, well, what else can I do in my business or what should I not do in my business, right? right? Um, so I, I really enjoyed that partnership, so to speak. Mm -hmm. And I think you know Leslie Hassler. Yep. So she was my first coach after 10KSB. Okay. We worked together two years through the pandemic. Oh. Yeah. And it was a really important step in just another step in yeah. propelling my business forward. Um, yeah. Okay. And then you said you're going to go back to 10K specifically. Like, I want to hear your experience just in what we like to ask is like, what was kind of like the before 10K and what was the after? Obviously, there was significant change, but was it your growth plan? Was it just being like turning specific wheels in your business? Like, what did that look like that made such an impact? So I've been in the people industry for 25 years and I didn't go to business school. I went, like I have a master's in organizational behavior. And so I'm really passionate about the people side and, um, you know, finding great talent and how to build teams and that. But the essentials of running a business um, really came through 10KSB. And I don't want to say it's like going to business school because I know it's not like going yeah. to business school. But when you're using your company as the case study, it feels like it's like a focused business school. Yeah. And I think what made the most impact on me was the part that I disliked the most, which was the accounting and finance mm -hmm. days. Um, those were really difficult, but I realized that those numbers are telling a story and I need to listen to that story, right? Yes. You, did you go through the program? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was 20. I was the first one after we got all back together. So last, oh, well, a yeah. year ago was my first, first couple of days. That's great. That's great because... I think it also made a difference being able to do it in person. So really, I thought yeah. I was able to do it in person also. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I think that the focus on certain areas of the business was a big part, especially the finance and accounting part, using the numbers to make decisions. And I knew I was going to need some help in that. Um, the other part was the growth plan. But to be honest with you, the growth plan I thought about in 10KSB wasn't something I did long term, but the process of the growth plan has led me to trying different things in my business. So our my growth plan was starting a whole division in healthcare recruiting. Um, and, you know, for a variety of different reasons, I mean, we do a lot of the back office and administrative part of healthcare, but we don't do like nurses and doctors and 
healthcare recruiting is is a whole different ballgame. But I remember during the pandemic realizing that companies aren't going to be hiring people. They were laying off people, especially in the beginning, and they might need help with the you know, help giving something to the people who they were laying off mm. to help them in next step. So we tried that. I can't say it was so successful. Um, now we actually work with Nic- Nicolette Barrett, yeah. who went through yeah. NKSB. She was in my cohort. Nicolette is amazing. Yeah. And so we've asked her to ba- basically, you know, when people come to us and say, what do I do to find a job? Wh- one of the things we learned during that time where we were trying out different things was you need to be an expert in this. It takes a lot and a lot of time. And we're spending so much time finding people for companies. It was too hard to find jobs for people. Right. So we've partnered with Nicolette. And Mm. so we basically say, Hey, Nicolette, I have someone who is, you know, struggling to figure out what their next step should be or struggling with putting all the parts together. Um, but also just being open to opportunities like Community Foundations of Texas came to us and said, hey, would you be open to contract fractional recruiting? We'd never done it before. OK, let's let's talk about it. And now that's become I mean, we've done it for over a year for for Community Foundation, hired 25 people in a year and saved them probably about 60 percent in recruiting fees. Wow. Yeah. And it's become a way for us to have some kind of balance mm-hmm. between the direct hire recruiting, which, you know, can be up and down yeah. and not as stable sometimes and stable cash flow. And so now we've rolled out uh, contract fractional recruiting in a way that we're open to doing it for other organizations. I love that. I love those ideas. And I always say, so the program for me was it took the gray out of business, like where and I'm a, I do like numbers, but it made it very black and white. Okay, so you need to get here. Okay, so you got to spend over here versus let me just try right, this right. and see, you know, what happens. But also, like, that whole Nicolette partnership, I saw you guys post it on LinkedIn. And I always thought the pro, the program was the bread and butter, right? Like, you go through this program and those 12 weeks are, like, everything and then you're done, right? Like, and where I've really found the magic is in the after, you know, where it's like the connections you made, like I never would have met you. And you know what I mean? Just all those things, the community it's cultivated, but also just, they don't stop helping you and they don't stop trying to figure out ways to help you grow just because you graduated. Like that is only the beginning. And it's just, it's so special to me. I like, I really, I'll come home and I'll get emotional I was talking to my husband because he'll be like like at Nabo or something where you see a bunch of 10kers there and it's like I just feel like it's a family that I can't explain you know mm-hmm. like it, it's yeah. so cool yeah so absolutely I, I think just entrepreneurs have a lot in common um, you know sort of the balance of risk taking and hard work and you know creative and so you have this room filled with people like yeah. that and you understand each other and you want to support each other. And then you have this amazing staff, right? Yeah. Josh Johnson. I mean, he <laughs> is just all about helping everyone. Yeah. He's so funny. My kids, we went to, we won the event um, for the summit where if you had the most cohort people, uh, you got, they gave you like a grand for a happy hour, right? Amazing. So we did this whole family event where spouses and kids got to come and my kids 
<laughs> like, hey, where's Mr. Jot? Like, they always want to go see Mr. Jot. He's just so amazing. Joyful. Like, he's, yes, he's a joyful person. He has the heart of gold. Yeah. He really is a special, special person. Yeah. But, yeah, he, I didn't get him as my... Um, yeah, no, he came after. Oh, okay. Uh, my cohort also. Okay, yeah. but now, yeah, he's in that role afterwards. Um, so let's talk. I want to talk specifically. We court when Courtney's here. We always joke we don't want to talk about the pandemic or COVID because it feels like we've talked about it enough. But it sounds like you hit a pretty big bump in <laughs> in the light in the time of COVID, which is interesting to me because I know there were layoffs, but then it seemed like there was a lot of hiring happening too. Can you talk about that time? Like what you've got Leslie helping you, you're like, and then all of a sudden this thing happens that no one can predict, no one can expect, and no one knows how to navigate. What did it look like for you? And then how did you navigate through it and around it? But, you know, when there was a halt. So there really was a halt. So all the positions we were working on um, were you know, put on hold, Mm -hmm. (laughs) which was like, okay, we're not hiring these people. And so then we started thinking about, well, what do people need? And that's when, you know, we were thinking about the professional branding. You know, we had a whole quarter, all of second quarter, no sales, none. So that was, that was a long quarter for us. And I started thinking, oh gosh, you know, do I need to be looking for something else? and I remember talking to Leslie about it, and she asked me, well, you know, why do you want to or why do you not want to look for something else? And I said, well, I want to because, <laughs> we, you know, yeah. we don't have any cash flow, um, but I don't want to because I love what I do. I love what I do. And she asked me, why? Why do you love what you do? I said, I just love finding the right talent. It's like a puzzle piece for companies and their teams and you know we just really really try to make it make it work and and then she kept asking why you know the whole like ask seven or nine times I mean I'm sure there was a couple points where I was like you're kind of annoying me Leslie (laughs) but what was really interesting was her pressing me on the why Mm -hmm. um, actually led to what our vision is and our and the vision for the company is really the same vision I have in life, which is helping to build communities with less bias. Mm-hmm. And she was able to ask me why so many times that what it came down to was I loved building teams, but I liked we wanted to do it in the right way. And a lot of it stems from from my background, mm-hmm. you know, my heritage. Um grandparents, uh, four grandparents all left countries because of essentially what bias leads to. Wow. Um, Yeah. So, you know, that plays a role in everything I do. And when you're building teams, you want to really consider the aspect of um, how to do it the right way. There's a lot of unconscious bias in the recruiting process. And, you know, as a team, we're We talk about that a lot Mm because everyone has them. We all have them. And so talking about it more often helps us address our biases. Why am I not pushing this candidate forward? Is there a reason? Is there something I'm thinking about when he 
first interviewed with me, did he remind me of somebody or, mm. you know, all those kinds of things. So interesting. You sometimes have yeah. to check yourself. But essentially, Leslie asking why so many times led me to becoming more passionate about what I'm doing. Um, and when you're really passionate about what you do, then the team realizes it's more than research. It's more than recruiting. It's more than sending candidates to clients. Yeah. There's a bigger picture in all of this. I love it. Like the grandparent story, like what a way to honor them. You know what I mean? I hope like, so. Yeah. Yeah. That's really cool. In the bias side of things, like what is your, you know, obviously working with somebody like you is a huge piece. Is there like a big a piece of advice you'd have for companies, like in understanding that just in a lot of times we may think we're we're doing the right thing or whatever, but is there anything like that you can specifically say to to be like, you know, be careful about this or this is my one piece of advice I'd give you about being more diverse and, and bringing on a staff? I know it might be a hard question. No, I think one thing is is being educated around what is unconscious bias. Yeah. Okay, that's number one because, I mean, anyone has biases, mm-hmm. you know, um, so that's number one is education. And there's so many different ways to get education around unconscious biases. What are biases? Um, all of that. I think the second thing as a leader is being open to differences in opinions, mm. differences in experiences. You know, as a, I mean, I'm sure it's comfortable. It yeah. is comfortable as a leader when everyone agrees with you, you know, but... I would say that people um, who question me, Mm -hmm. that's when my mind starts opening more, right? So as a leader, I think we just need to be aware of that and be open to new ideas, open to change, not too stuck in one way. Yeah, yeah. What Like even that, I was, it brings up something. I remember I've talked to women who have had this issue where, corporations are so set on the ways of okay you have to have x amount of experience you have to have continued experience you da 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 and it shocks me at how many women take a break for their kids which is admirable and and then when they try to come back to the workforce it's like all those 15 years before you had kids you know or 10 years or whatever yeah that doesn't count anymore because you took those two years off it's like what, what are they just like useless now like they forgot everything it amazes me that corporations will look at that well oh that two-year break doesn't check the box so therefore we can't but just little things like that yeah absolutely and and actually i think covid opened people's minds more Mm -hmm. about people needing to take a break and i'm seeing leaders or hiring managers just looking twice and wanting to hear the story around what is this break versus up i don't see anything in this two-year period forget it right yeah i will say that i think all different kind of experiences count and i would encourage people who want to take a break to at least keep their hands in something yeah you know whether it's reading or writing around their topics of interest or their interest, their industry or volunteer work. I do think that would help. Yeah. But at the same time, I also think hiring managers can hear the full story before making a judgment. I also think that 
we have to understand who the person is. And if they're the kind of person who, you know, was a go-getter before the break and they were a learner before the break and they caught on quickly to new technology before their break, that's not going to change. Yeah, Even though I, I commented before we recorded that my brain went when I had children. I mean, I know my brain is not as sharp as 20-year-old there, and I get it. But, I'm, you know, like, I'm not... So sometimes we have to read things twice, <laughs> yeah. but that's okay. That's okay. It's because we've got 50 other things on our plate. Yeah. We're going to make it all happen. Exactly. we know how. Um, you know, we always like to ask about teams. What do you think? You've got a great team. You've got a team that, like you said, a member, nine years, you said. Like, what has been, you know, your magic sauce in being able to keep such a great team together for so long? Is it just, you know, obviously being deep in your values and understanding that, but anything else you do with your company that you've you've been able to put that together? I mean, I can, I can tell you um, that in the beginning, I did a lot of what I suggest that yeah. people shouldn't do, which is if somebody, oh. if somebody, you know, um, I remember asking my friend, Jeff Court, hey, Jeff, I'm looking for this kind of person. Do you know anyone great? And he's like, oh, my gosh, you have to call my friend Nicole. Okay, well, awesome. So that's how I found Nicole. Fast forward to the last person we hired, Charmaine Davis. I actually had our intern who had been with us already nine months. I had her lead the search. And then she took, we needed another recruiter. Mm -hmm. And this was kind of the June, July timeframe. And Nicole, who's senior director of recruiting, basically was over the search, but she had the intern lead it. She found these candidates, Nicole and our recruiting manager, Kristen Graves, they interviewed them. They chose a couple for me. I was like, I don't know. They're both pretty darn great. What do you think? And we had some follow-up questions. Mm -hmm. And then those follow-up questions just kind of help bubble the answer. And yeah. then there's Charmaine, who not only is very smart and is really good at what she does as a recruiter, she exemplifies our values, which, you know, can-do attitude um, and can-do attitude, it's funny, when we were doing our values, we did it the EOS way, which is think about some people who you absolutely admire. Well, I was thinking of Amanda, who's been with us six years, and Amanda is our research manager, and she's always willing to try something, do something, look for a new technology, whatever it is. Mm -hmm. And we're like, Amanda, because she has a can-do attitude, right? And then that's something we talk about all the time. That's one of our values, right, or solution-oriented. I mean, Charmaine was just struggling to find the right kind of construction manager for a pool company, a, a design and build pool company. Mm -hmm. And all of a sudden she was like, wait, I know. And she started looking in some different kind of Facebook groups. We rarely go into Facebook oh. for doing searches. But, you know, construction, I mean, we do quite a, I mean, we do probably about 25% of our work is in the construction industry. And when you get to the people who are like out there in the mm -hmm. field, I mean, they're gonna be looking at Facebook and they're not gonna be looking at LinkedIn, right? Yeah. So she started just having conversations with people in different construction groups. Boom, all of a sudden we had all these great candidates. So, you know, she really exemplifies a lot of those values and another value, caring and generous. The way our team helps each other is really nice. Mm -hmm. Like everyone's, you know, Kristen is 
has a HR background before starting with us. She's the only person. So believe me, we're always asking her, are you sure I can ask this question? Because <laughs> we don't want you know yeah. anything to bite us afterwards. And she's keeping us out of trouble. But she's also really good at thinking through conversations that we're going to have with our clients so they can understand, well, this is what's going on in the market. This is what I'm seeing. She helps us through those. So it's a, it's a great team. I love it. So I would say really letting my team do it in the way that we've been doing it for our clients, which is research, where are we going to find these people, casting a wide net. Yeah. That was, um, and really interviewing people for our values was helpful. Yeah. I love, I love that. And another question real quick, when you, I know when you talk like you were, I'm not going to, I'm going to take other various industries, all that. If you go to your website, I know there it's like more specific about the industries you do help. When did that shift and how did you make that determination to be a bit more specific? Or is it still your... Well, look, I can tell you that, you know, our top four or five industries, um, construction, professional services, mm -hmm. well, that incorporates, you know, yeah. a few different places, yeah. a few different areas. Yeah. Law firms and financial service firms and, you know, marketing firms, right? So construction, professional services, manufacturing and distribution, nonprofit, I would say those are our main areas that we get asked the most. Yeah. But sometimes it has to do with what's going on in the market. I mean, the reason we do so much construction is that during COVID, that was the work that saved us. Yeah. All of a sudden, it was the construction company saying, well, we haven't stopped. And then, you know, whether it was residential or commercial, because they already had yeah. work lined up. Um, then we started doing a lot of, you know, they needed controllers, they needed project managers, they needed HR people. In the end, 2020 ended up the same as the year before, wow. even though we had a quarter with no sales. And I would say construction was a core area for us that year. Wow. That's amazing. All right. You want to do some rapid fires? Sure. All right. So what is your favorite beverage? Uh, Coke Zero. Okay. <laughs> um, I love Coke Zero. Best advice you've ever received? Be involved in your community that you live mm. and work in. Very cool. And, and that's really from my parents. Okay. I mean, it's part advice and really just part seeing what they've done throughout their entire lives. I love it. Does your company get involved? Like, do you have, is it more just... There's you, right, getting involved in the community, but then really working to get your company involved. Yeah, we're we did a lot more pre-COVID, mm -hmm. and now we're trying to get out again. I mean, Charmaine and I did a Hunger Busters activity right before Christmas that Naomi Mazden organized, and we were at a grocery store um, right near um, uh, where was it? Well, downtown. A grocery store that um, was kind of a community store, mm -hmm. uh, but people who were coming in were definitely people who weren't buying whatever they wanted. Yeah. And it was an event where basically we would just pay for their groceries. <laughs> so that Charmaine and I did that. Um, what else have we done? As a group, it's been a little bit longer. I mean, Hunger Busters is one that we love doing as a team. Um, I just organized it actually for my son's school because I think they'll have fun doing it also. It's a great organization. And most of the work for Hunger Busters is right in one area. Mm -hmm. Leslie's done it with us um, okay. several years ago. 
So um, everyone on our team is very much a part of their our community in different ways. Charmaine does a lot of community work. Um, Ashley is in Houston. Ashley Hughes is in Houston. And one of our clients is Jewish Family Services in Houston. And she went to one of their big fundraisers and got to meet a lot of the people that we don't get to see every day. And she, afterwards, she said, look, I, I want to volunteer for their career center. Mm -hmm. So that was really exciting, too. So, yeah, we try to do as much as we can. I love that. I love teaching others, too. If you could have dinner with anyone, living or, or dead, who would you who would you want to I have play pickup on with, but that was for Jill Christensen. So you don't have to play pickleball, but of course. Play pickleball, but who would you want to sit down and have dinner with? Uh well, you know, only because I feel like time is just passing me by so quickly, I would say my three sons, mm. one is in New York, one is going to be moving to New York in the fall. He graduates from college in May. And then, of course, my youngest is going off to college in the fall. And recently we were together mm -hmm. over in December for a couple of weeks. And I realized, you know, even though they revert back to just being, you know, siblings, um, the time that I get with them, mm -hmm. each of them and also all together is my favorite time. Yeah. It's got to be so bittersweet, too, because you've raised independent. Like, that's, like, they're independent. They're living their own lives, which is amazing. I didn't tell you things. to do that. What? Exactly. <laughs> like, I need you to be independent in Dallas, though, not yeah. New York. Like, don't go yeah. too far. We used to joke my youngest son was going to go to uh, University of Mom. <laughs> they were like, UOM. His brothers would joke mm -hmm. with him about that. And recently, his brothers were like, he got into school, and his brother's like, oh, too bad you didn't get into UOM. I'm like, what do you mean, University of Mom? I'm like, he's always accepted to University of Mom. <laughs> yeah, exactly. There's always a room available. Yeah, exactly. That's awesome. Uh, what's your morning routine look like? I don't know if I have a step morning routine, although it always begins with dogs waking me up and having to take them out and take them for a walk. But it really depends on if meetings are starting at 7.30 or 8. Like yesterday, we were at the Plano Chamber at 8 a.m. doing mm -hmm. a really interesting workshop on our workforce, which was really fun. Um, or if my day starts a little bit later than that, I'll just move a little bit slower. I would say my the end of my day is a little more predictable. I try to get my workout in at the end of the day. Okay. It's funny how things change because when my kids were really little, it was at the very beginning of the day, like mm -hmm. 6 a.m. or 5 a.m. or whatever. And now it's like, nah, I'll do it at the end of the day. Yeah. So I can't say that my day's always the same. It's changes. All right. Yeah, we have, we have the dogs, too. That kind of Yeah. Do you have a set routine? Not with that. Well, I, I have a set routine. I get up. My one gets up with me. He goes outside. And then I go to the gym. And then I come back. And then my husband's usually awake. But we have five dogs. So we... um somebody's always up with me and then some but they're usually pretty good they get up when we get up so it helps uh anything you're reading right now i'm reading the book um by robert Iger. he's the past ceo of walt disney and he's coming back right is that the one who's coming back or no i believe so okay yeah yeah yeah, yeah. it is really fascinating really it actually starts off when they're about to open disney world china Oh. And a lot of stuff was going on in the U.S. at the same time, and he was talking about that. Um, and then it goes into his childhood, 
and then also just how he got his start in entertainment. It's really good. Okay, I'll have to add that one to my list. Yeah, I love. I know that. I love biographies. I do too. I, I would say the best one last year that I read was Saint Marshall. I have that one right now. Listen to it. Don't read it. Listen okay. to it. I'm telling you, because she's the one who narrates it. It is. I think it just reminded me how important it is to what whatever it is, but have some kind of spirituality in your life or belief in a higher power, something yeah. more. Um, and she talks a lot about that when she was going through cancer. Mm, I love it. My daughter is actually, my daughter who's about to turn 10 is reading that book. They got to meet her at um, at that Nabo event. Amazing. And so my daughter was like, what's her book? Like, I want to read. And so she takes that thing wow. to school. And she's, because I'm like, are you sure you want? Like, because I know it's heavier material, but... And then she's like, did you know, Mom, that she had cancer and she had this? And, like, she's into that book. So as soon as she finishes it, I'm going to. She was honored. I'm re- I'm on the executive board of the Dallas Holocaust and Human Rights Museum. And she was honored this past year. And she mm-hmm. spoke. And she speaks so beautifully and so honestly. I, it was actually kind of funny because at one point a phone went off while she was speaking. And she's like, Keep them going. Keep them going. That's my pension. Keep them going. <laughs> we time at AT&T. She's like, I don't mind when they ring. She's great. Oh, that's awesome. Okay, last one. What is, or actually there's two more. What's your top bucket list item? I mean, they always involve travel. Mm-hmm. My middle son who's graduating from college and I are talking about going to South America this mm-hmm. summer. Um, so maybe that, but everything that has to do with my bucket list is connected to travel. Yeah. There's so many places to go. I know. And then you go to them and you're like, this wasn't enough. Like, I need to come back to this place and then go everywhere else. That's exactly how I feel. <laughs> Every time I visit a place, I say, I, say I want to come back because there's more I need to see. Yeah. Yeah. I don't. Yeah. No, I feel like that talk, the clock is ticking in terms of travel big time. Yeah. All right. And last one. We're rephrasing this where it's what's your guilty pleasure, but a guilty pleasure that you don't feel guilty about or don't need to feel guilty about, but you still love to. But I still feel guilty. Well, it's like <laughs> like the thing you still probably love to still do. feel yeah. guilty. I mean, it's probably Netflix mm. or um, my Coke Zero instead of water. Um, Any good Netflix shows that you're really into right now? I'm watching um, the one that talks about um what is it with julia what's her last name the star julia robert julia roberts and it's all about um what happened with nixon and watergate oh it, yeah and actually was on there. you know what it's not on netflix it's on stars okay um yeah gaslit all on watergate so is that where the what there's like a really powerful wife who and they're trying to shut her up is that yeah. the, okay I wanted to see that one. Gaslit, yeah, it's good. I'm watching that. I think okay. it's really good. She's really good. She's, she. It's a different kind of role for her in some ways. Yeah, awesome. All right, I'm going to add that to my list too. Yeah. Well, Julian, thank you so much for thank doing you. this today. If somebody wanted to connect with you, find you, where should we send them? You can email me, Jolene Rich at richresults.com. You can go to our website, richresults.com. All right, awesome, and we'll have that in our show notes. So thank you so much, Jolene. Thank you. I appreciate it. Yeah. Thank you.